if we do that by putting forty, fifty thousand dollars into a house and then sell it back, I like to say it's kind of a win for everybody. The bank that sells the asset wins because they sold the property. They don't want it. The real estate agent won because they got, you know, a portion of the profit. I win, my investor wins, Home Depot wins, the new buyer wins because they are getting a beautiful new home, and the bank wins again because they're getting a mortgage again. Like there is no lose in this situation. This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast. Show 209. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com. Your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co-hosts, Mr. Brandon Turner. What's going on, man? Hey, I don't. Nothing's changed since last time we talked because that was like yesterday. We that recorded. was yesterday. <laughs> but no, things, well, actually, things are good. That's not. That is. That is oh, not true. Not true. Okay. There is. There is oh, something. Josh shaved. I didn't even notice that. He no longer looks like a, a homeless guy. This is great. Not that yeah. I have a problem with homeless people. I love homeless people, but you, oh, know, you don't well, look like you know. You are aspiring to be one. I'm working on it. You know, it would be. It wouldn't be a bad thing. Hobo, hobo chic, as we like. To- <laughs> is that a thing? Yes. Uh, okay. Good. That's what I'm. That's what I'm striving for in life. So, anyway, how you doing? What's new in your world? Uh, you know, still dealing with family chaos and, oh, yeah. and all that drama. You know, unfortunately, we've got somebody who's been pretty sick, and you know, we're we're dealing with that. It's it's hard. It's very hard, and I get it. You know how how tough it could be on families. So, but yeah, look, work is good. Bigger pockets had an epic year, and you know we're now into week two of 2017. So hopefully, all of you guys that are listening, hopefully you guys have gotten all your plans done for 17. You've yeah. started to execute on it, and if you haven't already done that, I definitely encourage you to sit down with your partner, your spouse, whomever else, yourself, and really plot and plan what you're going to do this year and start setting goals for yourself. What do I need to know? Like if you've never done a deal, hey, I need to answer a couple of questions. What market am I going to be in? How am I going to finance my deals? What strategy am I going to undertake? Start figuring those things out. Start putting them to paper. Start planning and organizing them. And speaking speaking of that... Oh, what? what wait, I want, there, I, that is a perfect lead-in. Maybe you meant wait, to do that on purpose. Wait, there's a lead-in? What? It's a lead-in to today's <laughs> tip. tip. All right. It's quick tip, Brandon. Today's quick tip is we are excited to launch something that we just released here on Bigger Pockets, and it is called the Path to Purchase, or PTP. It's a new feature on BP that gives users an interactive step-by-step guide to purchase your very first rental property investment. Scott Trench, who's been on the podcast before, and he's a real estate investor, is also one of our team members at Bigger Pockets. Uh, he actually, on this like, interactive guide, will walk you through every aspect of your first investment. And best of all, it is free for all Bigger Pockets members. So go to your dashboard, go to biggerpockets.com, log in, and click the button. You'll see it there. It's about the path to purchase to get started. It's pretty awesome. You guys are going to love this thing. It's great. It's great. And yes, there was a good lead in. But if you don't have an account on Bigger Pockets, just create a free account today at biggerpockets.com and you'll be able to get access to that yep. outstanding tool. And, and we've got lots of plans to improve upon it already. So we're, we're really excited. And then those of you who have done deals already, you know, try what are out. you going to do next? How are you going to scale? You know, yeah. yeah. And you should try it out. Why not? Yeah, so, cool. That is today's quick tip. You guys, this is show 209 of the Bigger Pockets podcast. You can check out the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 209. If you are a new listener to the show or if you've been listening forever and have not yet taken a moment to help us, the guests of the show and Bigger Pockets, we would love for you to take a moment to leave us a rating and review. Uh, those ratings and reviews are really helpful. So if you're on iTunes, just click on leave a rating and review. You can do that on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and other places as well. And also, if you have not yet already, please do subscribe to the show. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. 
And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com host. You're ready to open a business bank account for your new property. You know what that means. Coordinating a time between you, your co-founders, and your bank consultant. Waiting at the branch or waiting for hours on the support line. Who has time for that? With Relay, you can open a business bank account for your property 100% online from anywhere. Create up to 20 accounts to organize money by property or by categories like expenses, taxes, or investments. Effortlessly collaborate with role-specific access. That means giving your cleaner a debit card for cleaning supplies or your accountant read-only access to your transactions transactions. Own multiple businesses? Relay lets you open unlimited accounts and access them all from one centralized login. Okay, I'm just, I'm going off script here. That is cool. It's annoying that I have to log into 10 business accounts with my current bank. So go sign up for RelayFi because that's a, that's a feature that I like. No monthly fees or minimums, and it takes just 10 minutes to sign up. Head on over to RelayFi.com slash BiggerPockets for stress-free banking. You can join me because I'm heading on over there right now. I'm heading on over to R-E-L-A-Y-F-I.com slash bigger pockets. Relay is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services provided by ThreadBank, member FDIC. The Relay Visa debit card is issued by ThreadBank pursuant to a license from Visa USA Inc. and may be used everywhere Visa debit cards are accepted. Today's show is awesome. I'm really, really pumped. This guy is really scaling his business. It's, yeah. it's fantastic. All right, guys, today's guest is Kevin Carroll. Kevin lives in Boise, Idaho with his wife and two kids. He's been in the real estate business for eight years. Kevin and his team have sold almost a thousand units in that time as a real estate agent and his team and has flipped 83 homes in just the last 18 months. In order to do that, Kevin has built a really cool system and uh, we're going to talk about that and dig in on how he made that happen. So listen up. It's pretty cool. And let's get to this. So, All right, Kevin, welcome to the show, man. It's good to have you here. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, this should be fun. So I know your story already, Kevin, a little bit because you and I have been buddies for a little while. But the rest oh, of yeah, I'm you sorry, know, Kevin. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the BP audience doesn't know uh, who you are, where you came from. So why don't we just start Is there? Somebody forcing that upon you? I, like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. does, does Brandon no, no. have something against you or something? No, you no, know? not at all. <laughs> not at all. So let's hear the story. Where'd you come yeah. from and how'd you get into real so estate? I come from a long line of entrepreneurs, and and I uh, grew up in Northeast Ohio, and. I left, left Ohio. I had a business there and I sold it and traveled the country and I found a piece of land out in Taos, New Mexico. And I moved out there and built a straw bale house out of mud and straw off the grid. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So taxes are five bucks a year. So it's pretty steep. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, oh my God. So $2.50 twice a year. Yeah. That's, <laughs> let, me, let me ask, because I didn't I, I don't know much about like I knew you knew you lived in like a weird house down there, but like this is this is in Taos, not like you know, mid-Africa or anything. It's in Taos, <laughs> it's off the grid, like uh out by the uh earthships, out off uh past the Gorge Bridge and stuff out there. So yeah, I met a buddy there that knew a lot about natural building and I, I know how to piece together a house. So between the two of us we figured it out and and wow. uh out there in the desert and there's no code or anything. I mean, it's just totally unpermitted. And, yeah. But so, it, we'll, it, we'll uh, need photos for the show notes, by the way. You yeah. got to send us some. We got to see All this right. thing. Yeah, that's awesome. So it, it's got straw bale walls and it's passive solar design. So even in the middle of the winter with no heat, it will not freeze. It won't get below 40 that's in there. Wow. So it's pretty neat. Yeah. So you actually, when you say straw built, like you're talking about real, like, like straw, straw bales. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. Like, hey, two foot thick walls. Yeah. Wow. Um, it's fascinating. Yeah. So okay, yeah, I do want to see some pictures. House, yeah, I will. I'll send them to you guys. So that <laughs> cool. was fun. And so from there, I went to Bend, Oregon to visit a friend or to learn about straw bale houses, building them to actual to code. And I uh, met my wife. She was at a mutual friend's house of ours. And so then I went back and forth to Boise a few times and came here. And, and then I, I was going to be a business broker because I love growing companies and stuff like that. And uh, in Idaho, you have to have your real estate license because there's no other really place to, there's not very many business brokers here. So 
got my real estate license, decided I'd rather do that. And met my business partner at Keller Williams the first week and shook hands. And we've been partners ever since. And last eight years, we sold about a thousand houses together. So, so, yeah, have a small team. And so that's like the that's the short version of how I became a real estate agent. And cool. Yeah. So that's awesome. I, I was going to say, so you you became the successful agent. The thousand houses is nothing to sneeze at. Obviously, presumably you built a, a great team in order to do that. But you're not just an agent, right? And you're not just a guy who builds houses out of mud and soda cans <laughs> and straw and corpses. But No, so a few years ago, we flipped a couple houses as well. And then about a year and a half ago, I got introduced to a, a new bank-owned product. And the lady that explained it to me showed me where to look for them, how to find them. And then I have friends in a, a networking group that across the country I've known for a long time. And so they... You know, what I finally realized was when you sell a bank-owned property, you know how to flip a house. They've taught me how to flip a house. They give me the asset. I go check it out. I tell them what to fix. I get it fixed. I tell them what to list it at. They list it way higher than that, and then I sell it. And then we lower the price usually, and then we sell the home. So I've literally flipped a 1,000 houses for banks, and I finally realized that, and I said, like, okay, I'm going to do this now and make real money. So... Um, a year ago, 18 months ago, I raised a bunch of cash and started flipping across the country. I bought 83 houses in the last like 15, 18 months. Whoa. Wow. That's crazy. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, what, can you explain? Because you said you know you learned about a, quote, new bank-owned product. Is that something different than your typical REO? Not really. It's, you know, there, a lot of – so when I found this one particular product, it led to – designing the system and then now we find them everywhere right so just like everybody looks for properties on the mls and wholesale and off market and auction sites and at the trust i mean everywhere you can buy assets that's where we're looking now okay so but it was just the catalyst to get everything started and going so 80 so. i mean 83 houses in in the last year and a half is is kind of crazy like i had never heard of anybody didn't that quickly scaled up to that massive number so i mean that's kind of the what we wanted to drill into today is how do you yeah. do that? And, and and like, how did you even, I mean, like, maybe that's even a bigger question is like, what made you, instead of just saying, you know what, I'm going to go out and flip this one house. Like, why did you start with, I'm going to make a system to flip houses nationwide? Well, that's what we first thought was, well, I can do this in Boise, but I can only do six a year here. The market's so hot. There's so much competition. I mean, even the guys at the real, at the uh, trustee sales, they're paying cash are fighting over houses and they're making five grand when they're done if they're lucky. And like that's not a way to make money. So there was just not that many here. And so we said, well what if we go, you know, up north to Coeur d'Alene? We know someone up there, you know, and like, oh my gosh, I have a friend all in Chicago. What if we go all the way to Chicago? What if we go all the way to the East Coast? Where do we have friends? And we started looking everywhere. And then we said, okay, the asset managers taught me how to flip houses. So I just thought, like, what do they want me to do? And then I just designed a very similar system for all my friends. And I took out a lot of the inconsistencies and the things that handcuffed me as an agent from their standpoint. I got to have three bids. I got to, you know, like I can only do a certain amount of work. I I took out all that stuff that inhibits them from actually making real money. And I gave a lot of the power to the real estate agent, my partner on the ground. So I don't look at them as a real estate agent. They're my partner. So they don't make a real estate commission. They're not an agent to me. They're my partner. So they make a portion of the profit of the deal. And by doing that, it enabled them to think about this as if it was their own property. And so they make decisions differently because every dollar they make, they get to keep a part of it. So it took a lot of the um, day-to-day responsibilities off of me and put it back to them, which they should be making those decisions on the fly anyways. Sure. So we designed a little one-page Excel spreadsheet, and I'll give it to you guys all for free. You can use it. I, I can analyze nice. the deal in five minutes when now that I have this and I'm used to looking at it. That's awesome. And then from there, we run the flip sheet. I buy the property. They manage the renovations, and they sell the property. And at the end, we do a side-by-side comparison of what do we think was going to happen and what actually happened, and how can we get better? What do we do good? What do we do bad? Stuff like that. Okay. So, so you're now you're. Counting on people who 
you may not have ever seen them do this type of thing before, right? So, like, no, I know, these are all my friends that I know do hundreds of bank owned properties a year. They have contractors and systems. Yeah, I know all these people. Okay, got it. So, I, I, I just want to go back a second because, you know, this is what we do on the Bigger Pockets podcast. We we try to learn and we try to teach people how to how to do yeah. things. So again, I, I I'm going to pry. You know, we talk about this REO product, this this top secret product. I mean, yeah. You know, what's the difference between this and any other REO that's out nothing. there? Nothing. Okay. It's just no. There's nothing. There's no okay. real secrets to it. You know, it just it just was a new a new product that came on the market and and it's all out there in front of everyone to see. There's no secret sauce or anything like that. So you if know? I go in the MLS, this is like if an REO gets listed, it might be one of those REOs. It's just you've mm-hmm. kind of created this system whereby you found a way to work with people at a distance to take those properties and and rehab them, flip them. You guys get a piece of the action. And go from there. Is that kind of yeah. the gist? Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there's everything is based on relationships, right? right? So some of these, this product is out there for everyone to see. But you know, if you buy a bunch of them, they give you more information than everyone else has. It, it's this is the way the world works. Yeah. So I mean, we just have VIP relationships with some of these big banks and things that they they know I'm going to perform, and so they give me more information. And I think that's I think that's huge, right? When you can start doing this at scale, like you were doing, like you can go to some of these people and be like, "Hey, you know, talk to me before you maybe." Is, I mean, is that what you're doing? Like, before you listen yeah. with an agent, maybe come talk to me first. I mean, do you do stuff like that? Well, we could. I mean, you know, we have cash; we can close in three days, so we have options like that. And so, a lot of the and the more we're able to analyze these things, the better we can get. Sure. So. And, and if you focus more in on like you know bidding on properties, like at auctions, if you've done more MLS, like hey, this is just everybody's. I mean, like. Where where do you typically um, find these things at? In Chicago, we wrote a hundred offers on the MLS and got one. It just didn't wow. work. And so the you know different strategies in Florida, we've had really good luck with probate leads. Okay. So there's a lot of people that are passing away in Florida apparently. So <laughs> you know, it happens down there. <laughs> it's like Florida, Arizona is like the death belt. And- <laughs> yeah. So I mean that's where you go, I guess. That's but funny. so. You know, and, and there's a lot of people that just their mom lived there, their dad lived there, and they don't want to clean it out. They yeah. don't, you know, they want to go down and get a few of their things, and then we'll just take and, and, you know, clean it up and sell it. So we can be an option for people like that as well. And it's just try to think creatively, like, what do they need, right? How can we help them? And just like anything, you make your money on the buy side. You know, you got to get a good deal and then just work through the renovations and the sale and stuff like that. Hey, Kevin, we, we haven't done a, a probate show in a long time or a show where we've even kind of dug in on probate. So I'd love to, if you don't mind, because you brought it up, you know, get a couple questions in and, and find out like, you know, for, for example, what is what is probate? Sure. You know, why, why are you know, why would somebody in probate want to sell to somebody like you? And how do you, you know, how do you find these people? How do you market to them? You know, if if you can kind of dig in a little bit, that'd yeah, be great. I'm not a super pro at it yet, but the basic idea is, so uh, say, you know, someone in your family passes away, when somebody has to get rid of all their assets and distribute them to the heirs and things like that, a lot of times it goes through something called probate and there'll be a certain person in charge of all their assets. So, you know, all that stuff is public record. So you can go and you can find it in the newspaper and then you can go down to the courthouse and actually find who more detailed information on who the heirs are and, you know, who's in charge of that. And then you can send them a letter. There's lots of probate letters. There's also lead sources out there, yellowlettersdirect.com, places like that that you can tie into your lead sources and then just send them automated like mail Just that just basically says, you know, sorry this happened to you. If you need to sell your home, you know, we have cash. We can close in a week. We can help you with anything you need, stuff like that. So, And then you just set that stuff up on automatic drip and, and you know, eventually people need help. And they get yeah. to a certain point and they're like, bills are coming in and they need to sell stuff. So to get it to get that stuff in, a lot of times they may or may not have other assets that can help pay for fixing things up. They may not. And they're just like, this is the only thing we have of value and we don't have any money to do anything to it. It's like, okay, well, here's a cash offer and you can just go about your day. I mean, when you're in when you're in that position, your thought is, "Hey, I don't want to sit around and and eke out every penny. It's how do I get out of this thing quickly? How do I get cash in hand so we could start paying bills and start taking yeah, care and, of what we need to take care of?" Right. And the truth is, like 
you know, if it was your relative or something and you have six brothers and sisters, if you sell it for $10,000 less, split up over all the different people, does it really matter that much? It was money you probably didn't have anyways. So, and it may just be easier to not have to deal with it. So that's kind of what I, what I think. And we just try to be a, a resource for them. So. so how do you how do you do that without appearing disrespectful? You know, like my dad passes away last week and today I get this big ugly letter, you know, in the mail that says, buy, buy your house for cash today. You know, like it feels like like that would be disrespectful. But at the same time, you want to let them know, hey, we're here for you. We want to be a resource to you. Yeah, it, it has more of a we're here to help. If you need to sell your house, you know, call us. We can help you. It's it's more like that. So and, and it's not, you know, we're a crazy shark. It, it's like, what do you need? And we'll try to help you get that done. So that's just the attitude we take. Yeah, Isn't that, sense. I mean, that that's, pro, I, I think some of the, the most successful investors we've spoken to who market directly to the sellers, you know, who, who don't buy on market, you know, that tends to be the approach, right? It's, you know, I'm not here to take advantage of you. I'm here to help you solve your problem. So I'm assuming big part of your job is also being a psychologist, right? Helping kind well, of not, dig into these not people. Not me. I mean, it's mostly my agents on the ground that do that stuff. I'm just kind of like the orchestrator. So I found the money and I, I do the back end stuff. And then I just kind of give advice to them. So yeah, if I do it here locally, I am. But like as a, almost like an asset manager, you know, when you have 45 projects going on across the country all at once, like that's about all I, you know, me and my staff can handle. So, yeah. So I'm curious, how do you structure this? So like, you know, you're, you're an agent, obviously you're licensed, so you're allowed to get referral fees and things like that, but um, it doesn't work that way. You have to think, you have to think not like an agent. Think like an investor. Um, okay. So for me, say we, we do a house and we make $50,000 profit when the thing's done. The money, so the person that brought the money makes 35% of the profit. Okay. I make 25% for managing it, orchestrating it, and then the real estate agent gets the rest. So they get the majority share of it. Got it. And they make 45%. Okay. 40, Yeah. Is my math wrong? He makes twenty. Yeah, he makes twenty five percent. They get thirty five percent. They get forty. Right. Yeah. So, okay. so the real estate agent gets forty percent. So they get the majority of the profit. It ends up being at least if you're thinking like an agent, it ends up being a, if you do it right, at least two times the regular commission. And cool. you have full control. And I'm not a pain. And I'm not gonna like say I don't want to fix something like a normal seller. It, it's we're here to make money. And so if you need to spend ten thousand to make fifteen or twenty. Let's look at it and make a decision and, and, and move on it. So can you walk me through the process? Like you go, like, you know, I, I, I don't need all the details, but you know, yeah. you go and you find you find a property, right? Yeah. In in or the Boise, agent finds, Idaho. The agent finds a property. Yeah. So they they go, they analyze it. If they're new to me and I don't have too many deals with them, I'm gonna want them to get an actual full repair bid. Okay. And every once in a blue moon, I actually might do a home inspection, a pre home inspection. But most of the time, not. I just put a fudge factor in for that stuff. We're going to fill out the flip sheet, and then I'm going to need to see some after-repair value comps. So what's the thing going to sell for when it's done? So there's two things that can screw up this deal. Your repairs go over, and your sale price comes down. So if you thought you'd sell for 260 and you sell it for 240 and you thought it was going to cost 40 in repairs and it cost 60000 that 40000 profit you just thought you had turned to zero. Yeah, right. So that's the biggest thing. And then... The next component is speed. When we did a lot of these, we figured out that the faster we can turn these things, they're like hot potato, right? The faster you can fix them, the faster you can get them staged and photographed and on the market, the faster you can get an offer, the faster you can close. If you can use a chunk of money three times a year versus two times a year, it's a huge return difference. Yeah. So say the investor makes $10,000 profit on every house. Well, if he sells two houses a year with that same money, he makes 20 grand. But if he sells three houses a year with that same money, he makes 30 grand. It's a significant increase in revenue. The faster we can do these things, the more everybody makes. I'd rather spend $2,000 more and get it done a week sooner. Like what we figured out is most houses cost us about $2,000 a month just to hold. So if everybody understands that, and we can squeeze a, a, a week out, can squeeze an extra two days out of something, like 
that makes a huge difference. Can you explain that? Because that's something that you know people don't hear about on the TV shows. That's the stuff that most yeah. people who who are just getting started in in the flipping space don't even consider. You know, holding costs are a real oh. real cost. So yes, what's yeah. what's involved in that holding cost? What, so what in money? in my flip sheet, it auto calculates all that stuff, and it's not perfect, but it it, it puts it on there so you understand. So. When you go through the sheet, you're going to say, how long is it going to take to repair the house? And if it's a $20,000 rehab, it shouldn't take more than two weeks or so. If it's a $40,000 rehab, it's going to take about 45 to 60 days, depending on your contractor. Because at that point, you're putting in new kitchens and bathrooms and stuff like that. And you have days on market. How long is it going to take to get an offer? And then usually 45 days or so to close with a regular offer. So you've got this time frame. Well, you have insurance. You have all the utilities. If you have an HOA, you have taxes that are occurring monthly as well. And then any holding costs you have on your money itself. Um, Explain that if you don't mind, just for, for so those people who may not know. Some, so for us to buy that many properties all at once, we use some hard money. And so there's a calculation in there for interest-only payments every month and the fees associated with that hard money. So it's significant. And on a on a medium sized hundred two hundred thousand dollar house it could be you know eight to ten thousand dollars total for that hard money yeah so for for somebody who's going and flipping their first house you know and let's say that property takes you know not somebody who's working with you but you know somebody who might be listening and and they think it's going to take a month or two and it takes four to six months suddenly the the carrying costs on that house add up yeah. significantly and their profit could dwindle dramatically, right? Yeah. Yep. And so you have to have, a, you know, and any hard money lender is going to want to see you have at least six months of cash reserves to make those monthly payments. So you want to save up enough money that, you know, even in the flip sheet, we have a 15% over budget for repairs. That always goes over that number. I mean, always. It just, it just, you t- start tearing into something and you realize, oh man, this kitchen is shot and I didn't think it was. And now it's going to be, you know, $5,000 more to rebuild it or the water heater didn't work. And it, it's a special one. That's like 1500 bucks or yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> things yeah. like it just happens. Every yeah, project, sure. every, pro- yeah, every project I've ever done is like that. Like there's always like little yeah. things that, yeah, I always do at least a 10%, if not 15% overage budget because yeah, things always yeah. go over. Uh, that you just don't. I mean, you just don't. You can't think of everything. Even the best contractor in the world can't think of everything uh, when they're walking in. And so you said the word a little while ago. You said a fudge factor, and I really like that. Like you just have to have like yeah. this, like the fact that you know what. There's going to things be things we don't know. Now I want to dig in on this a little bit because. You and I are kind of similar in this. I don't usually do home inspections. I don't usually hire a home inspector. But a lot of people listening to the show are are newer at real estate. And so I generally advise them they probably should when you're starting out. So why do you not and why might a newbie want to? Speed. I can't – I don't have time to order that stuff. Yeah. I mean I I need my guys to walk in the house and 20 minutes later tell me if we're going to buy it or not. So who do you – so – so I mean, what? How do you estimate those re- repairs? Like, how do you know exactly what's wrong with the property? You just rely on the contractor um, or the agent. The agent, yeah. I mean, if if like they have similar experience to me, right? They flipped that many houses for banks. They know how much it costs to put a kitchen in. They know how much it costs to put a roof on. They know how much it costs to replumb the whole thing. Like they know all those costs pretty, like just in the back of their brain. So. They can guess pretty accurately, and with that 15% fudge factor, we're usually pretty close. Cool. And do you always, I mean, this I was going to ask this a little later, but do you always make a profit? Or, I mean, how many of these deals have you ever lost money on? Uh, we lost money on three. Okay. Most of them don't turn out as good as we had hoped, but I don't usually go into a project without at least 30000 profit. Okay. I won't, yeah. So no matter what the deal is, if it doesn't make at least 30000 profit on the flip sheet, I won't buy it because you can – you can get sideways really fast going into a deal hoping to make 20 grand. Yeah, so it's very true. Um, I know there's um, been times where I've tried to flip houses that were, you know, $10,000 profit. And then, yeah, I mean, that's that's one, one heating, you know, one heat pump and you're now, you know, it's, it's done. So why do you think most don't turn out as good as you hoped? I mean, why do you think you're more optimistic when you go into a deal than when you actually come out of it? The, the the reasons I explained before, the repairs go over and the ARV, the after repair value comes down. So you list it at 240 and it doesn't sell. Like, what do you do? You have to lower the price. You fix the whole house. It's beautiful. It's staged. So you have to lower it. And so we, if, like, we will lower it until we sell it. 
So even if we lose money, we're not in the business to hold these particular houses in, in that model. And so, you know, all in all, though, if you lose four or five grand on like one, we lost a couple thousand. They're not major. Uh, I have one selling the, the probably the worst one we did. I have it's, it's selling tomorrow and we've held it for 10 months, oh. which is wow. Yeah. So we fixed it and we didn't. The guys in Chicago did it, and they do an amazing job, and they just missed on this one. So we fixed it, and it was in a really nice area, and the finish quality wasn't as good as it should have been. And then it got 50 showings and no offers. And I'm like, guys, what's wrong? And like, well, the windows are old, and the roof needs done. I'm like, take it off the market and put windows and a roof on it and put it back on the market. Yeah. So, so, so we did. And then we listed it back you know, higher, and then it came down and down and down again. Kevin, now, is it so, – isn't there like a danger though at scaling at such a rate where you, you know I think there's there's kind of like a level right there's a balance between speed and scale yeah. and then quality and profit right so yeah. you know my question is if you you know sure you can scale infinitely not you but you being anybody right can scale infinitely mm-hmm. and you know now now suddenly quality control tends to get hit and profits, you know, you start to make less and less money or your profit opportunities drop versus if you were to kind of step back, slow it down a tad, you know, have higher quality control and potentially even make more profit doing less properties. Is there that balance and how does that work? There is. And and that's kind of the attitude we're taking this year. So we want to do about 50 this year. So not 85 and we want them to be quicker and you know, shoot for nice, solid base hits, so that you know we don't. I, I think um, I just went to a conference, and one of the guys there said we won today because we didn't buy a dog. So we want to we want to look a little bit closer at them, but there's a balance, right? I mean, if you analyze everything perfectly, you're going to miss deals. They just they go away that fast. A lot of the wholesalers put properties on the market, and they're sold within three hours. So. You don't have time to think about it overnight and get your contractor in there and do all that stuff. You just don't have time. So the more you do, the better you'll get at that. And usually, you know, when in Boise, when I'm looking at a house, I can tell within 20 minutes if I want to buy it or not. And then put it in the flip sheet, five minutes, I'll know exactly what I can buy it for. And so it, it just it comes with experience, though. Yeah. So, I'm going to push back a little bit, if you don't mind. I, I, yeah. I hope you don't mind. I, yeah. So. Again, like, you know, we've done lots of shows. I've talked to thousands and thousands of investors over the year, and obviously time is a factor. But, you know, again, I'm going to give you a little pushback on that, you know, time buying the dogs, you know, statement that you made. I guess my, my question again is, you know, if let's say you miss out, you know, you said you're going to drop 85 to 50, right? So certainly you're going to miss out on, Probably more of those dogs, so to speak, ideally. But how do you then, how do you improve, if you're going for the same level of speed, how do you potentially improve your quality control at the same time? Is that, is that possible at all? Yeah, there's a lot of ways to improve your systems, right? So that hard money I talked about sure. is really expensive. Yep. You know, in that deal, it's a ten thousand dollars in there. That that would be nice to be able to keep that. Yep. You know, so are there other ways to find money that isn't that expensive? Yes. So I'm working on finding finding ways to to not have that expensive money. Got it. Um, I have a national discount at Home Depot that like Fannie Mae and the big boys do. Like we're working on strengthening those discounts so we can buy product cheaper. You know working on getting the contractors, you know, in the different areas. So example in Chicago, right now I have a $90,000 remodel going, biggest one I've ever done. And it's a two flat, so it's a one house on top of another one. So my con- my my guys on the ground are working with the contractors cuz there's two kitchens in that thing and there's, you know, four four bathrooms and so but they're just on top of each other. So when the guys are doing the drywall, he's doing the top one, then he's doing the bottom one. Like the, the, he's coordinating those things so they happen quicker. Yeah. And anticipating that the city inspector needs to come out next and anticipating those things so we can get them moving quicker cuz a lot of those there's so many things that can slow down a project. Just making sure that all that stuff is you're getting on the list and you're getting ahead of stuff so that that's the key. So there's always room to improve. 
And that's the thing that I'm going to work on this year is maintaining those relationships with my key people that I can get the product from and then doing what I can here in Boise to find cheaper money, get cheaper products, make things go quicker and so that we can all make more money. I love that answer. I'm, I, you know, I, I'm not, not trying to push too hard, but you know, I think it's, yeah. I think it's great. I think it's important because you know, clearly you've thought this stuff through and, and obviously it's extremely helpful to, to somebody who might be new on their first or somebody who's trying to scale up to get to you know, X amount per year. Um, yeah. So thank you for do- thank you for sharing that. Yeah, yeah, sure. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb, and that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Whether you need to buy or sell, or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find a home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours even on the same day with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help you get the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. Real estate investing is great, but for some, the tenant phone calls and clogged toilets aren't all that attractive. So how do you invest in real estate without getting your hands dirty? Invest for truly passive income with Pine Financial Group. Pine's mortgage fund offers a targeted 8% preferred return and an attractive profit split with 70% of net profits going to the investors. You'll earn passive income by participating in lending to house flippers. And it's secure because senior lien holders, that's you, are first in line to get paid. Their rigorous underwriting process and the backing of a physical asset mitigate downside risk. Plus, by investing with Pine Financial Group, you contribute to the revitalization of communities by directing your funds from Wall Street to Main Street and supporting local economies. The investment is reserved for accredited investors. Don't miss this opportunity to back Main Street over Wall Street and start earning passive real estate income. Learn more about investing with Pine at pinefinancialgroup.com slash BP. pinefinancialgroup.com slash BP. Yeah, you know, one thing you mentioned a second ago too is uh, this idea of you got to stay ahead of the flip. And and I, I found if there's anything that's, I mean, I'm really slow at flipping. I'll admit that. Like when I flip a house, like I just, I just got done with a flip, one of my more successful ones. But I mean, it wasn't, it was a $40,000 rehab. It should not have taken that long, but it took four or five months just to rehab the thing. And I look at, yeah, and I had one contractor doing the whole thing and I look at why. And I realize like so much of what I do when I flip and a lot of newbies make this mistake too, is that we don't get ahead of the flip. And I'm not first to admit, I'm not the world's best flipper because it's more like, okay, now we're done with this section. Now what do we do next? And then yeah. it's like, okay, well, oh, next we got to get the drywaller. Better call the drywaller. Oh, I'm three weeks out. Okay, well, we'll wait for you to, you know, and then the house sits empty for weeks and weeks yeah. and weeks. And I, I'm bad at that. How do, like, you, how do you stay ahead of here, it? Here in Boise, in particular, when I do a flip, I have like three or four main contractors that I use for everything. One of the keys, one of the most important things you can do to a contractor is pay them immediately. Yeah. So I've been a big proponent of that forever. Uh, if a guy gives you a bill, you give him a check right then. Yep. If a guy faxes you an invoice at midnight, by 8 a.m. the next morning, the check's sitting on my desk ready for them. And the reason you do that is because if you call that drywaller and you say, hey, Joe, 
I need you to come over tomorrow and do that drywall. He says, okay, I'll stop what I'm doing and do that yep. for you because I know I'm going to get paid immediately. Yeah, um, that's great advice, by the way. <laughs> yeah, so I've done that for my whole life, and we've found that it, especially with smaller contractors that, you know, they don't want to remember that people owe them money. They don't have a full-time bookkeeper. They can't, yeah. they're, that's not, they're not good at that. They're good at doing their skill. So we make the invoices for them. We pay them. I mean, we just make their job easy so they don't have to do that stuff. So when, when we do a flip here, if it's like a you know $25,000 fix, you know, 900 small items in the house, I don't, I don't even get a bid from my contractors anymore because I have done business with them for so long. What do you mean you I don't get say, a bid? You just, hey, keep going. Yeah, they just, they, I've done so much work with these guys. I know how much they're going to charge. And so I just say, get all eight of your guys and get over to that house. You know, and I give them as much notice as I can and they get over there. And those guys, it's amazing. They like, so this is like my handyman guy that does like all kinds of stuff. Their crew works like a fine tuned machine. He's just like the screamer guy that just screams in 10 different directions <laughs> and they grub out the house in like four hours. All the carpets are ripped out. Like if we're taking out cabinets and stuff, that stuff is in their dumpster. I mean, and they got one guy over here painting, one guy fixing this light switch, one guy going to the store to get new parts, you know, some guy mowing the lawn, one guy trimming the weeds, and that we just pound on it until it's done. So that project for us would take about ten days. I mean, we just hammer on it until it's done. Um, I give him, I give him twenty thousand bucks, like I give him a ten thousand dollar check when he starts, just to buy parts, and then when he's done, you know, I square him up. The, the next day. So well, let me ask you on that then. When you when you bid a project, do you always have the contractor bid in, or well, even when you do bid anyway, do you always have them pay materials? Do you ever do materials separate because you can get a better discount at Home Depot or you know whatever? Or um, how do you work that usually? It all comes back to speed. So you can be, you can penny pinch and try to get something on sale, but it costs two thousand dollars a month to hold that house. Yeah. So if you hold up your project. To save fifty bucks, you just lost the five hundred dollars. Yeah. So you know, even even more than that, you made this point earlier, and I think it was fantastic. Where you know, if you can do two flips a year or three flips a year, that's like. So I used to look at it. Huge. Yeah, huge. I used to only look at it in terms of what you just said a second ago, which was, hey, this house is costing me fifteen hundred. For example, this house cost me two thousand dollars a month. So. But I can save two thousand dollars by doing drywaller A versus drywaller B. So, but you know the, the cheaper guys a month and a half out. Well, I'll wait for that month and a half because it's going to save me in the long. No, it doesn't because no. I'm doing less projects overall. I, yeah. I think that's I think that's super important. Of that, it's more than just holding costs too. It's it's holding costs and opportunity costs. Yeah, and you know, are you holding your are are you holding up your project in the busy selling season of the summer? Yeah, like yeah. I I I missed. The selling season in the summer, and I have houses I still own now because I missed the summer selling season. Like, yep. oh, you know. Yep. <laughs> so I mean, and we're we're going at such a, a speed that we learn really fast. Yeah, and I think that's so, key, right? Like, you're always. I mean, even a guy who flips eighty three houses, you're still learning on every project. You're still oh god, you're trying to figure out how one. to make it better, make it more optimized. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Hey Kevin, so again, and I I, I know I asked this before, but like I'm still trying to see it, like. You, in your market, I get you having the, you know, the screamer and dealing with all that stuff, right? And I know you said you, the only way to work with partners at a distance is to find guys who have done a lot of deals, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, have you had a situation where you've had to stop working with one of those partners because they just weren't fast enough or to the, to the quality that you wanted Um, or... Yeah, I mean, you know, you give somebody one and see how they do and, you know, and then and if they do really good and they communicate really well and their contractors are on it and organized and people are at different skill levels as well and people learn at different rates. So, you know, a good agent and a team is doing other things as well. But this now becomes twice as much profit as their other stuff. So if they have some resources, they can push them this way and they realize that they 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 make more money doing it this way, and it's funner. You know, I yeah. love working with my friends and making everybody money. You know, one one quick point to add on there is this is something I learned from you, and I kind of got it from you is the fact that you said you work with real estate agents a lot who do your flips, and one of the reasons why is because those agents know a lot of people. They know the contractors that are good. They know the ones that suck. So even just the yeah. tip for everybody listening to the show right now, whether or not you're a flipper, you want to be a you know rental property owner, whatever, talk to real estate agents for connections because they know. 
who's doing good work and who's not. They know who to call for the bank yeah. repos, all that stuff. Yeah, I've been I've been relying yeah. on my agent a lot more since you told me that a couple months back. I can't. Yeah, like the, a real estate agent is really the only partner I can work with because a contractor, you know, is really important, but they don't know what the house is going to sell for. Yeah, and it's 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 way too complicated. Like the only person that really works, uh, I made one exception, and and he's a good friend of mine, and he did an amazing job. But other than that, like it's it's really. You know, the agent is the is the key component because they can see all the pieces. Like the contractor can see what it takes to fix it, but they don't know what it's going to sell for or what we yeah. can buy it for. Like that, that agent is the one that will know that. And I never underestimate the value of a real estate agent. Some people think agents are, you know, are not useful, but these guys keep me out of trouble every day. They keep me out of the bad neighborhoods. They keep me out of areas that have too much inventory you know these guys have my back and i and i i appreciate them for it yeah nice so what's the main reason kevin that people would want to even work with you i mean if you're you're taking 25 percent of the profits they're getting i mean the money guys getting a bunch of money they're getting 40 percent at the end of the day why not just go do it themselves they don't need you right or why why do they need you go ahead <laughs> <laughs> you've got if you have 10 million dollars go ahead so you think you it's know, the, if, the financing is the it's main reason? usually the financing Okay. You know, most people don't have the money and, you know, it, it's that or they don't have access to the deals or the systems or the knowledge yep. or, you know, it's for them. There's zero risk. I'm yeah. taking all the risk. Yeah, that's so, true. And if they have access to more deals, usually, you know, they they cap out it. They don't have like even me. I don't have enough money to do 100 deals at once. So I'm disappointed they, by that. <laughs> <laughs> they, someday I'll get there. Um <laughs> The thing is, there's no risk, and there's a lot of reward for them, and they can they can do this at more scale. So yeah. you know, we have ten houses with a couple of different people right now, and they're doing them in mass, and so they can leverage those to their team. They can just add it into their their pile, which is you know, it it really gives a lot more revenue, and then they get access to more deals as well through some of the systems I have and things like that. So, so that's essentially why you would be a good partner is because you've got the systems, you've got access to the financing, and you can help them improve upon everything that they're doing. Yeah. Okay. And I, I like that because I mean that, that applies again also to people listening to the show right now. Like, why would somebody want to? You know, why, why should you partner with somebody if you're just getting started? Like, I recommend partnerships all the time. For sure. Yeah. Find somebody yeah. who knows what they're doing, who has a system, who knows the money. People. Who cares if you yeah. get forty percent? Like. Yeah, don't 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 go into your first deal and lose thirty thousand dollars and never be able to play again just because yeah. you wanted to keep all the profit. Yeah. Like get your feet wet, go do twenty deals and then maybe do one by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So, you know, you've done a whole lot of deals yourself through other people. What's what's been your favorite deal so far and why? The easy ones are my favorite, right? So we bought one in Boise and we made sixty thousand dollars profit in three weeks. Wow. And all we had to do to the house was put some new appliances and clean the carpets. Wow. I mean, like, that was an easy wow. one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no? Too bad they can't all be like that. I know. I know. So the easy ones are good. Well, some of the, I really enjoy the, the uh, renovation process and bringing up the neighborhoods. When you add curb appeal to a house and you fix it and you put brand new kitchens and bathrooms in it and you bring it to a state that, like, a new homeowner – is going to come into this house and they're going to have everything new. It's going to work good for them for a long time. Like, I don't want this thing to turn into a bank owned again. Like my goal is to help bring up the neighborhoods. Yeah. So if we, you know, if we do that by putting 40, $50,000 into a house and then sell it back, I like to say it's kind of a win for everybody. The bank that sells the asset wins because they sold the property. They don't want it. The real estate agent won because they got, you know, a portion of the profit. I win. My investor wins. Home Depot wins, the uh, new buyer wins because they are getting a beautiful new home, and the bank wins again because they're getting a mortgage again. Like there is no lose in this situation. Yeah, so, that's great. Like that. That's great. Well, what about bad deals? I mean, you mentioned earlier you lost money on a few deals. Do you have any stories in particular where you're like, man, that was just a crappy deal? I've got one going in in uh, Renton, Washington, right now, and so usually I partner with an agent, but that one is a one-hour plane ride, and my brother-in-law lives there, and so I got the bright idea I'll just do it myself. <laughs> so, found a contractor on Craigslist, 
mistake number one, <laughs> and then had him start renovating the project and giving me like text update photos. Well, I went there a couple weeks ago, and it's a disaster, I'll utter start. disaster. Everything's about eighty percent done and done shoddy. Nah. Whoops. So uh, I gave Back him to Craigslist. I <laughs> no, literally take my crew from Boise, drive there, and fix it. Is that what you're, that's, that's what you're gonna do. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow. Yeah, January second, that- getting in the trucks, <laughs> and we're going there, and we're gonna pound on it until it's done, and then we're gonna come home. Wow. Nice. Will you so, still make serious? Are you still gonna make some money on it? Yes. It was. Good. It had the potential to be our most profitable flip. That area of the country is the hottest real estate market in the country. Seattle, up there is smoking. And I got a really good deal on it, but I'm not going to make anywhere near as much as I thought because I gave this yo-yo a whole bunch of money for nothing. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I mean, you, know, like, you, you went outside your system. I, th- I, mean, I think you tried something and it didn't work. And, you know, yeah. But- so you know, the lesson there is verify work with someone you know and trust. Yeah, right? not text pictures. Yeah. I mean, he was taking a picture of a wall and like the other half of the wall had holes in it and wasn't painted. I mean, (laughs) and so shame on me for, for doing that. Yeah. Unless you try, right. I mean, like in order to build a system, you got to test something, right. You got to do your first. Yeah. Despite all the deals that you've done, this was a first attempt at you kind of doing it in a different way, which is fine. Right. You got to try well, it's and for us, like if we don't have to pay that agent forty percent of the profit, we make a lot more, right? Yep. So it was me yeah. saying, like, can we drive this from Boise without a local influence? And phase one says no. Oh, um, hopefully that turns yeah. around. Yeah. yeah, but it, it uh, you know, it, it, and you know, it's about you know, I go back to the speed thing too. You know, like now I'm two months, at least a month behind schedule because of that. But you know, I'll take my guys. And our hammers, and we'll fix it. Yeah, so, there you go. All well, right, so, and that's something we even thought about. My investor, I said, he said, "What if you take your crew and you literally do that? What if you just go? How you know? What if you drive yeah. two days and go fix something and then drive back? Now we could do it. So yeah. it, it's just like we're always trying to push the limits and test test things, but never underestimate the uh, value of a local realtor in that market. That is really important." Yeah. So where do you go from here? You know, what's what's next? Are you are you going to keep yeah. going, keep scaling? What's what's the uh, what's the plan? So I don't want to play this game forever. Flipping creates cash, but it doesn't create monthly cash flow. So one of my partners in Florida, and then my business partner here in Idaho, we formed a company, and we're going to buy a build a hundred unit rental portfolio, like in the Clearwater Tampa market. Okay. So that 100-unit rental portfolio, we're going to do the exact same thing. We're going to buy stinky bank owns. We're going to rebuild them, <laughs> like real, literally rebuild them from the guts out. We're going to rent them. We're going to refinance them. And then we're going to create cash flow, and we're going to pay those mortgages off. And in 10 to 12 years, we're going to have 100 free and clear houses. It's going to make, I don't know, $70,000 a month. That's awesome. You know, And I'm done. I think I said this before, maybe maybe it was before we started recording to Josh, but anyway, one of the things that I've always, like, ever since meeting you, Kevin, that I've liked is you think so much bigger than the like than I do, you know? Like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to go buy a rental property. You're like, I don't think I'm going to build a system that's going to buy 100 rental properties. And then yeah. you think, how do I, do, like, how do I get financing on 100 rental properties? How do I find 100 rental properties? How do I flip 83 houses? I think yeah. that's a lesson to be taken from this episode is like, you know, it's okay to think bigger. Yeah, and and really, like, think about all the people that you're able to help when you do that. Like every, I've earned a million dollars profit for my partners this year across the country for my friends. So I'm helping them get wealthy as well. Yeah, that feels really great to me. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Well, that's great. And Brandon, to your point, you know, if I set out to you know, obviously you need to 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 crawl before you walk, walk before you run. But, you know, somebody like you who's got lots of experience, if you say, hey, I'm going to buy, you know, one property or, you know, six properties this year, you're going to figure out how to buy six properties this year. If you say, hey, I'm going to buy 100 in the next two years, you're going to figure out how to buy 50 properties a year. Now, you know, the, the thinking that goes into buying 50 properties is very different than the thinking that goes into buying six properties. So you have to sit back and strategize, right? You have to plan mm-hmm. and, and think things through. And I, and, and I do think it's where a lot of people fail in 
real estate or any other business. It, it's it's in that planning ahead, right? How do I get there? How do I yeah? How do I plot the course in order to accomplish mm-hmm. this? They start digging and doing, which is fine when you're you're kind of getting going, but in order to to build something up, you really can't do that, can you? No, I mean the systems are important, and another thing that's really important is who are your friends. So that's a really like who you hang out with will dictate your level of income, your level of success. So that's a really important component. So find networking groups of people that are doing what you're doing or that are doing things at way larger scale. A lot of my friends make four times the amount of money I do, do four times the amount of deals I do. So I'm like the I'm like the little guy. Yeah. And so I learn from them every day. Awesome. Um, I think yeah. that's. I think there's something to say about you know who you, right there's that quote you are the average of the five people you associate with the most. Absolutely. You know, like, yeah. Yeah, and I, it's so it's so true. I mean, like, yeah, that's why like when I hang around with you now, like I, I'm like, oh, I got to start thinking like this. How do I buy a hundred properties? How do I stop doing you know small stuff? And yes, I want to encourage everybody who's listening to the show right now. I mean, who are you hanging out with right now? Who's the yeah. people in your surrounding? Maybe you need some network? new friends. Yeah, yeah maybe. You well, need some well new I was going to say Kevin might need some new friends if he's hanging out with you, Brandon. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> It's time to let go. <laughs> All right, little well, birdie, that, fly away. Oh, no. <laughs> I've got lots to learn from this guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so yeah, me and me and Kevin are same buddies. So moving on, let's shift gears here and head over to today's fire round. It's time for the fire round. All right, the bigger pockets fire round. These questions come direct out of the bigger pockets forums. Let's do this thing. Question number one. I like this. This is a good kind this of a question. Great question. I'm in contract. It's kind of a long story, so listen here. It's I'm in a I'm in contract for a two story house in Chicago. As part of the scope of work, I'm trying to decide whether to replace the vinyl siding on the property. The siding is in good shape, and the property needs a good power washing and touch up. And the color of the siding is typically a, a white color. However, two comps around the house have new siding and have trendier colors. So not replacing the siding will save me three grand. I have the budget there for replacing it. What would you do? Three thousand for vinyl siding seems like a deal to me. To I would look at yeah, that seems cheap to me. Okay. So if curb appeal is great, right? You need to get people to the house. If you have the budget to do it, and you you can justify that you're going to get at least three thousand more for the house, and it's not going to take very long, I would do it. Or sell it faster for the whole speed reason. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Yep. That's great. Yeah, See, sure. so it's not it's not all about the money. It's not all about penny pinching. It's it's mm-hmm. about getting that thing sold more quickly. Mm-hmm. Turnover, turnover. Cool. All right. Uh, easy question. Where should someone find contractors? Call your local real estate agent that does a lot of deals, and Perfect. and interview a couple, and then go look at some of the work they just did, or call one of the recent. Um, the more due diligence you can really do, the better. But you know, if you have an, an agent that you work with, or if you're an agent. Go in your office and find the REO agents, the bank-owned agents that that do a lot of volume, or that or the regular retail agents that do um, that you notice that have like flipped houses. Get referrals from people. That's that's how I would do it for sure. Don't go on Craigslist. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, number, number three. By the way, I lost five grand last year by a Craigslist uh, contractor as well. I I try to avoid yeah. that now. All right. At what point <laughs> would you advise somebody? who is a real estate agent, to actually start investing. Because a lot of agents are afraid to invest. They don't now. invest. They don't care. <laughs> now. Now. Yeah. How do you, okay, let, me ask, let me shift it a little bit. How do you convince somebody who is an agent to invest? I can't do it. I don't have any, I, I don't yeah. have any money. I don't, I don't know what to do. I mean, I, yep. that's what they say. Yeah. So read books on investing in real estate everyone you can find listen to a podcast like maybe some bigger podcasts (laughs) surround yourself with people that are doing it find a mentor get some coaching like step up and step in and start doing it your ability to execute is going to be your biggest way to be able to be successful you know read 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 and then jump in love it love it love it all right last question um was a question on insurance coverage on vacant houses during construction. The question, the question is, you know, how do I know? How do I find it? Um, do I need to get uh, coverage on on a vacant property during construction? 
Absolutely, for lots of reasons. So you want to make sure the insurance has general liability protection for you. So if somebody falls and slips and breaks their ankle there, that you're, you're, you or your company is protected. Also, the house itself. Foremost is an insurance company that insures vacant houses. Also, uh, Berkshire Hathaway has a policy. So you want to contact your insurance agent, and if they say they have no idea, Call someone else and call. But Foremost and Berkshire are both two companies that will insure vacant homes. And don't lie and say it's occupied or anything. Like tell them what you're doing with it, and get the right policy. It's about three times more expensive, four times more expensive than a regular policy. But you gotta have it. Wait, what did you say? You said don't lie. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's called insurance fraud when you do. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 Don't do that, yeah. guys. Yeah. To avoid that. All right. Last segment of the show. Let's head over there now. It is our famous four. These are the same four questions we ask every guest every week. Five. It's only four, Josh Dorkin, and then there's a bonus. Number one, <laughs> what is your favorite real estate book? Other than your own. I know you wrote one, but other than your own, what's your favorite yeah, real estate book? Um, you know, I would have to say Robert Kiyosaki's book, of Real Estate, or The Millionaire Real Estate Agent, or The Millionaire Real Estate Investor. So those three are kind of my favorite. I know I only said one, but I have three. <laughs> Cheater. All right. There you go. Cool. What about favorite business book? By far, E Myth by Michael Gerber. Cool. And then, if I had a second, Tony Robbins' new book, Money Master of the Game. Uh, that thing's huge, but it's amazing. Cool. Excellent. Excellent. What about hobbies? What are you doing for fun in between flipping 83 houses a year? I uh, I have a wife and two young kids, and, and so we go fishing and camping and boating. Idaho is full of mountains and rivers and streams, so uh, I try to get out in the wilderness as much as I can. Excellent. Cool. All right, my last question. What do you believe sets apart successful real estate investors from all those who give up, fail, or never get started? A burning desire to succeed and then your ability to execute, make a plan, make a good plan, not a perfect plan, make a good plan, and then execute that plan and course correct during the middle of it. I love it. Awesome. Wait, wait, are you saying that course correction kind of means that you need to fix something? So you're saying our plans are not all going to be perfect up front? Yeah. So make a good plan, make an okay plan, make any kind of plan and start <laughs> doing it. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I people that. get stuck in over analysts and you know analysis, and they and they they just won't do it. They get afraid, you know. Like, um, you you just you know get uncomfortable, like get uncomfortable. Yeah, and you know you're growing. Yep, awesome, totally I love it. Cool. All right, Kevin. Well, before we let you go, man, what do you want to tell people about how they can reach out to you? Uh, apparently, you have a book. I was not aware yeah. of that. So, you know, give yeah, us so give us a little info. This year, I decided to. Uh, I found a, a ghostwriter that helped me help me write a book, and and so I wrote a book on on flipping. And so I'll show you guys the little book here. It's it's a uh, nice. It's I, called The Journey to Financial Independence. And what what I really wanted to teach people was. Like, how do you get out of this rat race of life? You know, we're all working, grinding, doing our thing, but eventually we're going to get old and we're not going to want to work anymore. I don't want to work right now. I don't want to work right now either. <laughs> wow. I'm, wait, know. did you just say that in front of your boss? That's awesome. <laughs> <I love> that. <laughs> what? You're fired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're freedom. Free there. there you go. Yes, freedom. Yeah. Anyway. I, the The thing is, like, we all need to figure out a way to, you know, leave a legacy and to be able to enjoy our lives now. So if everybody's working 80 hours a week, are you watching your kids grow up? Are you talking to your family and your friends? Like there has to be like a balance in life. And so we got to figure out a way to make monthly income. The only way I know how to do it is with real estate because I've tried stocks and that doesn't work for me and I don't know any other way. So I wrote a book on, on how kind of what I talked to you guys about on flipping and then using that knowledge to buy passive income rentals in some form or fashion that creates monthly passive income. Uh, and that's what you need. If you have no bills and you had $10,000 a month coming in, could, could you live in most areas of the country? You could. Yeah. 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 That's well, great. Yeah. If you want to find me, uh, go to a journey to financial independence.com. Is that a, uh, a journey to? Yeah. Okay. Like the letter a, so a journey to financial independence.com on there. You'll get a free, uh, you can sign up to get my free flip sheet. So on the thing I talked about today with my analysis on how I flip properties, you can have a copy of that for free on there. And if you want to email me or ask me questions, you know, I'm happy to help. Cool. Perfect. And you're on, you're on bigger pockets as well. Yes, sir. 
Cool, cool, awesome. All right, and I, and I did, I did get a copy of that book. It's fantastic. So, okay, check it out. yeah, awesome. Uh, you know, I live in Idaho in Boise, and I'm an agent here too. I have a full team. So, if you ever, if you're a real estate agent listening, if you have people, people Boise is crazy. People are grow. The town is growing like crazy. People are coming right from everywhere That's to right move here. here so, why? Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. I mean, uh, oh, I don't want to be hated by another part of the world. Never mind. It's yeah. Okay. No, I think um, it's still really affordable compared to yeah. other areas. They're all leaving Denver and going to going to Idaho, apparently. Well, California too. <laughs> you know? There you go. We have they water. Yeah. yeah, you have water. Yeah. That's a good oh, thing. That would be nice. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> all, all right, Kevin. Deal. Well, thanks so much for coming on the yeah. show, man. Really do appreciate it, and lots right. of luck going forward. Thank you, guys. All right. Thank Take you. Care. See you around. All right, guys, that was Kevin Carroll. Big thanks to Kevin for coming on the show. Yeah, man, that, this, this guy's really pushing the limits, huh? He is. I, and like I said in the, in the interview, I love the fact that he just thinks bigger. You know, when I met him, yeah. uh, we're both part of that, that GoBundance group we've talked about on the show before. And, uh, you know, he, he kind of like, I don't know, made me think a lot differently about how I approach my business, especially when he told me, yeah, I'm buying 100 houses in Florida. And you're what? <laughs> you're like, what? yeah, it's just like, I'm just going to go do that. Oh, okay. Well, you know, maybe I'll go buy a hundred houses somewhere. You know, like, it's just a different way of thinking. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's great. I, and we, we talked about that, right? The, uh, if you set your mind to it there you, in order to scale things, you have to think differently about how yeah. you do things. And, and so I love that. And, and again, I am impressed upon everybody who's listening to think about that. So yeah, man, great show. It's good to, good to be back here. Well, we're not back yet, but 2017 hopefully is, is, off to a bang for everybody and, and things are going well. And, and uh, you know, thank you so much for listening to the show. Again, this is show 209 of the Bigger Pockets podcast. You can check out the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 209. And if you are not yet a member of our community, of our site, uh, please join today, www.biggerpockets.com. Create a free account, jump in, start using the site, start using tools like our PTP that we talked about, the path to purchase, you know, jump on our forums, our community, uh, start to learn, start to network, connect with guys like Kevin and get things going. So with that, let's get out of here. All right. You want me to take it out? Take it out. All right. For the Bigger Pockets podcast, this is Josh and my name is Brandon. Signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom and the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.